0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby Say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I will be making several, several confessions today. Uh, some of them are funny. Some of them are not. Um, so... First confession that I have to make is that there is a part of me that does not like working cattle. Let me explain. See, when you have to go work cattle, you have to get up early, you have to feed, you have to catch your horse, which that may not be a big deal to some of you. For me, it's an ordeal. Uh, catch your horse, you have to hook the trailer up. And sometimes, man, you can back that trailer up, you know, just like blindfolded, just uh, just crank it down. And other times it takes you 45 minutes. You step in, you step out, you step in, you step out. It's just one of those deals, right? And if you're running late, it's going to be the get in, get out, get in, get out, get in, get out, get in, get out. get in, And then you uh, hook up the trailer, then you saddle your horse, and then you load your horse, and then you see that you have five flat tires, and your trailer only has four, you know, so you got to air up all the tires, and then, your, and then your air compressor, you know, your hose breaks. Hey, there's just something that's going to go wrong nearly every time, and, and, and then, and then you, you, you get all the tires aired up, and you think, well, I better check those lights, and no lights work whatsoever. So, you know, you're trying to figure out why your lights won't work, and you're having that internal debate, can I make it through Kiowa? <sighs> You ever seen those gazelles, and there's like cheetahs and lions, and there, or there's alligators in the, in the water, and they have to get a drink? That's going through Kiowa sometimes if you're a cowboy. So, you know, you, you, you work on the lights, and, and then you leave the house, and, and, it, and, and I promise you, I, I haven't told Ty this, but whenever we do, we get the arena and anything else we do out at the ranch. We're going to build a big turnaround spot because I usually get half a mile from the house and have to turn around and go back because I forgot something. Usually it's because I got to poop, but I mean that's just that's pretty personal right there. But I mean, it, it, it happens. I'm just I'm being really really honest, and you cowboys know exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> And so you know, you you finally get going again and you're driving and you're, you're like telling yourself, go 20 miles an hour through Kiowa, go 20 miles an hour through Kiowa, go 20 miles an hour through Kiowa. And, and then you look down and, and Ty's running your truck completely out of gas. So you, you're like, oh my gosh, I hope I can make it. So you pull into the gas station, you start filling up your truck, you go inside and you get the coffee. And you know, you go back outside and the dang thing has clicked off at like, 0.2 gallons. So you have to stand there the rest of the time, you know, and and hold it. This is what happens when you cowboy. Uh, it, 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 it does. And so anyway, you know, you, you finally get in and you shut the door and you take a drink of that coffee and and you, you scald your tongue off to death, you know, and you're like, yeah, half of it's kind of. Like it's peeling off and it kind of gags you a little bit and so you take the top off and you hit that bump and it all goes everywhere this is what cowboying is like and then you finally get where you're going there's other cowboys there you've kind of cleaned yourself up and off with coffee and you get out and you get saddled up and you start that long trot And you realize you got to poop again. That's it. It's what happens, okay? It's it's what happens, okay? And and I'm I'm making these confessions because, you know, there's just certain parts of cowboy and this not real glamorous, okay? It's not real glamorous. And then whenever you get home, you know, you're you're sore. I mean, even when you do this for... Uh, I I wouldn't go so far as to say that I do it for a living where I do it every single day. But, I mean, I ride a lot. And um, even then, some days, man, you're sore whenever you get home. You know, me, I've usually got... One or two rope burns, I don't even know where they came from sometimes. I mean, uh, you know, you get a couple of rope burns, you know, you, your horse acted up, and usually that's you acting up that's manifesting itself as your horse, but still, you know, your, your, uh, your legs hurt, your head hurts, Yeah. And then, you know, you, you, you get to the house in the evening, and you're pulling in, and you just make a big U-turn because you forgot to stop and get that stuff that your wife asked you to stop and get, so you head back to town. It, it, it's what happens. And, and, then, uh, and then you unsaddle and feed and unhook the trailer, and uh, it's funny, I wrote this, you have dirt in places you didn't know dirt could get. It, I'm serious, this is what it's like, cowboy. Yeah, they show in the movies, man. The movies is dumb. Because they don't, they don't talk about all this stuff. And this is real life stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, your eyes feel like sandpaper. You, you, you stick your finger in your ear and you look, what? Oh my gosh, that's nasty, you know. And, and that's the way it is. And, you, you know, you finally get home and, you know, you're like, ah, and then you finally get in there and you don't have to poop anymore after holding it all day. Not really, I'm joking, I'm joking. That's enough of the poop jokes, okay? I, there's parts of being a cowboy that, it, it, that, that are hard, they don't talk about a lot of this stuff. They try to make it glamorous. They try to make it, you know, uh, you know we all just kind of ride along in our, our big steeds, you know, and they, they don't show your horse trying to buck you off and, and stuff like that. And then we go haul hay without our shirts on, you know, oiled up, you know, like, the, like you see on the, on the interweb and stuff. But you know what? After all of that stuff that I talked about, after all of that, At the end of the day, we absolutely love our lives. Absolutely love it. And I have termed a word for that. It's called cow joy. That's pretty good, isn't it? cow because you know it's not just it, being a cowboy does not make you happy okay and, and i and i think that that's the thing that, that, that people see the glamorous side of it and they think that that's what you get to go do and that you know everything's gonna go right and you're not gonna have a miss in your rope and and you know everything's gonna go good and it's not most i i, I would say that most of cowboying is hard there are some really cool parts, you know, but, but in the grand scheme of things, um, being a cowboy does not make you happy, but it does bring you joy. Cow joy, that's the term I phrased, I know it's kind of cheesy, cow joy is the totality of the cowboy experience, okay? Follow me right here, this is important later. It is the totality of the cowboy experience, it is the good and the bad. It is the victory and the defeat. It is the triumph as well as the failure. It is the life and the death. It is the strength and it is the suffering. It is the focal point where two things meet, desire and action. That's what I love about the cowboy way of life. Because, you know, there's, there's very few things. Happiness is an emotion and, and, and it's fleeting, I mean, there, there's things you know that that you know might make you happy for a little while and then sad and everything. But being a cowboy is not about, about an emotion. It's about a lifestyle, and it's not. We don't judge that lifestyle based on something that is easy or hard or whether we're comfortable or uncomfortable. Because if you are one of these that put comfort really, really high on your your needs list, don't be a cowboy. Okay. Don't be a cowboy because most of the time it is uncomfortable. I've tried to be a fair weather cowboy and, you know, it it doesn't matter if you're in Texas or Colorado, that means you can ride about 35 seconds a day, you know, and it's just, but you know what? It is the totality of the cowboy experience. It is the good and the bad, the victory and the defeat, the triumph and the failure, the life and the death, the strength and the suffering. It is the focal point where desire and action meet. And I want you to know that kind of life. I want you to know that kind of life. I want you to know that kind of joy. My definition of joy, think about this, what is joy? Because if, if you define joy as merely being happy, you know, the Bible says over and over, James especially says it, rejoice in your suffering. Be joyful even when you suffer. Now, you can't say that joy and happiness are the same thing because I don't know a single one of us that could be happy whenever we're suffering. Hey, how's things going? Oh, man, this, my life just stinks right now and I'm suffering through all of this stuff and I just love it. I can't get enough of it, you know? And, and nobody can be happy through that, but the Bible says that we can be joyful through it. So what is the definition of joy looking at it from a biblical perspective? This is my definition of joy. Ready? A life of courage and confidence, having the assurance from God that everything, no matter what, is going to be okay. Think about that. A joyful life is a life of courage and confidence, having the assurance from God that everything, no matter what, is ultimately going to be okay. That is my definition of joy. And in Philippians chapter two, verse 17, the apostle Paul says, and I want all of you to share that joy. He didn't say a few of you. He, didn't, he says, I want all of you to share that joy. So what is that joy that Paul is talking about? In the first part of Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, I read you the second half of it first. He says, I want, I want all of you to share that joy. That's the second part of the verse. The first part of this verse is, is kind of hard to understand, and I'll explain it, but listen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. But I will rejoice. That means I will continue to have joy. Okay, that's what that means. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. Let me read it one more time. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid to God, Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. Did you know that Paul's head was chopped off in Rome? Paul's head was chopped off in Rome for his faith. Listen to that verse again. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. You know what he's saying right there? He says that it takes the same Kind of metal or grit or steel or whatever you want to call it. It takes the same kind of grit to lose your life for God as to serve him faithfully every single day. It takes the same kind of metal to lose your life for your faith as it does to offer your life up faithfully in service of God every single day. Because here's the deal, you won't ever be able to faithfully lose your life for your faith if you're not willing to live for that faith every single day. He is equating the two. He said, just like your faith. Faithful service is an offering to God. So think about this. Paul is saying, now I don't know that he knows it at the time, but I think the Holy Spirit speaking through him, is he's prophesying how he's going to die. He says, even if I will rejoice, even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service service is an offering to God. He is putting those two on the same level. Think about that. A lot of us say, well, I, you know, by gosh, if, if somebody came up to me and said, man, I, I tell you what, you denounce your faith right now, you say that God doesn't exist, or I'm gonna pull a bullet in your head. I know a lot of us, especially us men, but by gosh, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. I really doubt that any of us would say that if we're not willing to do that every single day. In faithful service to God. But how do we have that kind of joy? How, how, how is it possible that Paul is going to be led in, probably placed upon his knees, and somebody is going to cut his head off, and he says, I will rejoice in that. How do you get to that level? Can you have that type, do you have that type of joy? And if you don't, can you have it? And the answer is yes. In just a matter of three verses, Paul, maybe he doesn't say the culmination of everything, but I'm willing to bet that if we only did these three things that Paul talks about in the verses prior to Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, that your life will not get easier. If you come out and you were to ride with me and Ty tomorrow... Your life is not going to get easier. We're going to long trot. We may have to chase one of these calves. You may have to help us, you know, tail it down. Well, you probably wouldn't tail it down because we don't miss. That's a joke. But you know what I mean. Your life is not going to get easier. And if we do these three things that Paul talks about, your life is not going to get any easier. But you know what it will become? joyful a biblical joyful not you know know everything is great my life is great let's eat skittles you know not not nothing like that okay i'm talking about a true spiritual joyful life does anybody in here even want to know what those three things are i hope so and some of you're like no (laughs) i'm happy being miserable i don't want a joyful life my life is hard enough as it is let's go over them anyway remember my definition of joy A life of courage and confidence, having the assurance from God that everything, no matter what, is going to be okay. Wouldn't you like to live that out in your life? A life of courage and confidence, knowing that no matter what, that everything's going to be okay. That's what God wants for us. And in Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13, he says, Paul says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, what he's saying right here is this is not, What I'm fixing to say, the joyful part is not going to be possible unless you have accepted and asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, okay? You're not. There are people their entire lives. Me me and Memo, who's the guy from the orphanage, we had this conversation. Where does the east meet the west? Where does the east meet the west? Because you know what? We can start walking east right now. And we can circle this entire globe without finding west, right? We can circle this whole globe, and a lo- but, but west can be found at any spot, no matter where you're at. If you keep going in the same direction you've been going, you will never find west, but anybody could find it if they just turned around. That, on the turning around, repentance, salvation. When you turn your life over to God, because see, most people, they just keep going east. They just keep going east. They keep going east, trying to find something that's going to fulfill them. They cross canyons and over mountains and through valleys, and they try this. They put things into their body. They do things with their body. They do all of this stuff while they continue to go east, trying to find that joy, and they never it. Some of them circle this globe two or three times and they end up old and exhausted and thinking that joy is nowhere to be found, but a joyful life can be found simply by turning around. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. The results of our salvation is obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Being afraid of letting him down. Being afraid that that sacrifice on the cross hasn't been accepted. You know, Jesus died for all of our sins, but yet we keep beating ourselves up over the things that we do. And Jesus said, you don't have to fear anymore, yet we live in fear. Paul says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do, to do. What pleases him? Three steps to a life of joy. The very first one is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. And I'm going to use an old cliche. He says, stop the stupid, okay? Stop the stupid. If you want to live a life of joy, and, and if you have toes that, that are kind of sensitive, well, just, you're going to get real uncomfortable for a minute, okay? Stop the stupid. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do everything. You notice he doesn't say, do a few things. Do everything without complaining or arguing. You wanna live a joyful life? That is the first thing that he lists. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Think about that. What would your life be if you never complained and you never argued with anybody, your life would be joyful. I'm telling you right now. Why don't we do that? It is stupid for us to put so much effort into arguing and complaining when every single one of us knows it does absolutely nothing except cause us more or remind us of the problems that we have. I'm going to challenge you today. Stop it. Stop complaining and stop arguing. That's going to be A lot of, that's gonna be a problem for some of y'all on Facebook in a political season. And you know what? I don't care, I don't care. God does not say to do, he doesn't say do everything without complaining and arguing, unless it's a political season in America. Stop the stupid, how do we do that? How do we not complain and not argue? First thing we gotta do, learn to laugh people you, you, you got to find that, and some of you, you just got like this much humor in you, okay? Just this much. Find it, hold on to it, water it, nurture it. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before yesterday, I don't remember, but anyway, I was going over this, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to complain, and I'm not going to argue anymore. It's done. By gosh, just east, west, here I'd go. So there I went, seriously, this is actually what happened. I'm having this internal, well it's not internal, I talk to myself, it's a sign of genius if you don't know, and so I'm talking to myself in the house by myself, and I'm like, I'm not going to argue anymore, and I'm not going to complain anymore, and well, no, i not, and I went and got me, my, my wife, she loves me, she bought me these cans of big old chicken noodle soup, it will not even hardly fit in a, in a conventional sized bowl. I opened it up, I poured all of it, and you know what, you can get it to like this close to the top, because we're going to get all of it out, right? So I put it in the microwave, and it says to cover it. Well, I didn't know where to, we don't have bowl cover, so I, I got a coffee filter, and I put the coffee filter over it, it works really well. And we had a whole bunch of them, right? And so we put the coffee filter over it, and I shut it, and I, and I turned it on popcorn, Because that's what you do. Popcorn works for everything, okay? I don't know what all those other buttons are for. If you need something, just put it on popcorn. Life is too short for dumb, smart microwaves. (laughs) Just put it on popcorn, walk off. It cooks it for like 40 minutes, and and you come back. And I tried to grab this soup, right? And I was like, ah! (laughs) And so I got the... I got the welding gloves out, right, that my wife uses. They're kind of like mittens. I got them out, and I was like, yeah, yep, bowl, you ain't gonna get the best of me, bowl. So anyway, I was like, yeah, take that, bowl. And so I pick it up, I was like, I'm gonna try to shut the door. (laughs) So I shut the door, just kind of, you know, like this, and those mitts are slippery. And this entire ceramic bowl of four gallons of chicken noodle soup spilled right between the cabinet and the stove. (laughs) It's about this wide, right? I was 14 seconds into my life without complaining or arguing when this happened. This bowl is shattered all over the kitchen. How it got in my bedroom, I still don't know but part of it was there okay and so anyway I hate spills it it is one of my pet peeves there was nobody to blame but myself and so I just sat down at the kitchen table and thought how can I laugh at this so I let all the dogs in to do the cleaning up (laughs) daddy didn't rain, no fool I can't get in there but that wiener dog he can get all the way to the back it was cool, man. Watching that little chihuahua and that little wiener dog eat all those noodles. I don't, they're still alive. I guess it's all right. I mean, it's good stuff, right? So they're all eating it, and then the big you know, Rocky comes in. His tongue is that wide. He just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's like mopping the floor, right? And I'm like, this is cool, right? <laughs> Learn to laugh. Even when it's not funny, find something to laugh about if you want a life of joy. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Learn to laugh. First thing, number two, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Things are going to happen. People are going to be dumb. People are going to say things that you don't like. Something's going to happen that you don't like. Let it go. Don't complain about it. Don't argue with anybody. Just let it go. You're not going to change anybody's mind. They're not going to change yours. So just let it go. Do everything without complaining and arguing. When you can learn to laugh and let it go, you know what? Even criticism starts to slide right off your back. You know? Somebody says something. I ain't going to argue with them. Think whatever they want to think, right? Isn't it amazing how when we do what God says, the way he says to do it, man, what starts happening is, man, joy starts building up inside of us. We can't really explain it because that's not the way the world operates, is it? The world says, man, you, you post that negative stuff on Facebook. If somebody's you know, voting for Hillary, boy, you've got to tell them how dumb they are. And then they're going to tell you how bad Trump is. And then, and then some people are going to say that we're all stupid. And, you know, I'm like, can, can, we, re- can we hit the restart button? I, you know, I'm just joking. But you see what I'm saying? Now let it go. Let it go. Number one, stop the stupid. Three steps to joy. Number two. Ride tall in the saddle. Ride tall in the saddle. Philippians 2.15 says, Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. <sighs> okay. Here's, here's my confession, okay? I'm not proud of what I'm fixing to say, and this is hard, okay? I'm not talking to anybody else in here. There is no judgment. I'm not passing judgment on anybody else. I'm telling you of what God has been convicting me about on some of my stuff, okay? My humor is inappropriate at times. I grew up on ranches and in a prison. My humor is warped, okay? And God has really, really been talking to me about cleaning up my sense of humor. And I guarantee you there's not a person in here that's worse than I am about it. I don't mean it ugly. You know, you're just kind of caught up in the moment. You're trying to be funny, get a giggle out of somebody, but that's not the kind of life that God has called me to lead because I'm a pastor and I'm an ambassador of Christ. And even if it is funny, you know what? He has really been convicting me to clean that up. He's been, he's been telling me that if I have to be crude to be funny, that I'm not that funny. And I'm trying to, to live a joyful life, and I'm going to do that by, number one, stopping the stupid. I'm going to try to quit complaining and arguing, even if somebody's wrong. That's fine. Let them be wrong, and I'm going to do it also by riding tall in the saddle, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. That does not mean that we can't have a good time and we can't have a sense of humor because we need to laugh about it, but we need to do it in a way that honors God. That is for me. I am not going to correct any of you if you do that around me because I, I, I am not one that can call anybody out on that. Okay? Nothing dims a bright light like a dirty soul, okay? Your joy will mirror your shine and your shine will mirror your joy. If you want to live a joyful life, quit complaining, quit arguing, and let your light shine bright. Do nothing, say nothing that is going to dim that brightness. And the last thing that Paul tells us to do is take a deep seat, okay? You want to live a joyful life, you've got to take a deep seat. And in Philippians chapter 2 verse 16, he says, hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly to the word of life. You better take a deep seat. We got to, most people say they believe in God. I bet if I was to ask like all of you, even if you don't, you would probably say you did just just because of peer pressure because we're in church, right? Most people say they believe in God, but they don't have a clue what he said, much less do what he says to do. We must hold firmly to the word of life. We got to study his word. And the word of God was made flesh. That is Jesus Christ. We've got to hold on tight to him. We've got to listen to what he said. He says, learn from me for I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. He, he, he says, learn from me. He expects you to do it. He wasn't teaching just to say, man, that dude's a good teacher, isn't he? Kind of, a, kind of a neat fella. Well, let's keep doing what we're doing. No, he's giving us the answers, but he's not doing it for us. He says, here it is. Take it or leave it. True joy can only be found in obedience to God's word. And see, the world doesn't understand that. They say, oh, you're just one of those Bible thumpers. They're steadily going east. They're they're steadily looking for something. They, they, They go from fleeting moments of happiness to fleeting moments of happiness, and they call that life. And yet what God says is he says, man, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He said, I can give you joy that sur- joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. But we have to work out, work hard to show the results of our salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. We're going to do everything without complaining and arguing. We're going to ride tall in the saddle. We're going to live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We're going to take a deep seat, holding firmly to the word of life. Philippians chapter two, verse 16. What is the definition of joy? It's my definition, if you want. Joy is the totality of the Christian experience. It is the good and the bad, the victory and the defeat, the triumph and the failure, the life and death, the strength and the suffering. It is the focal point of faith in action, not faith in action, faith and action. It's that point right there, or a simpler way to put it, a life of courage and confidence, having the assurance from God that everything, no matter what, is going to be okay. I want that for each and every one of you, whether you're here, listening on the radio, watching on live stream, I want you to have a joyful, abundant life that God has promised, that it is available, and my gosh, God is standing here holding it out for you to take. Will you have the courage to do that today? Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, the pastor needs you so much, and so do all these other people. We want to live a life of joy, a life that, that if we are called upon, that we can lay down that life for our faith be willing to die for it, but we will also be willing to live for it with that same kind of faith and that same kind of tenacity. But God, none of that is available unless we've accepted you as our Lord and Savior. Some of us have thought about it. I mean, we, we've thought about it so much that, that you know it, it kind of seems like we've done it, but we haven't really just sat down and closed our eyes and asked God to forgive us of our sins and asked Jesus be the source of that forgiveness because he paid the ultimate price on the cross he was punished for all of our sins past present and future for those of us who call on him as Lord and Savior God I pray right now that that person that you're talking to at this very moment will repent and that they will give their lives over to you right now and call on you as their Lord and as their Savior and it is in that Savior's name we pray amen The cowboy has molded and shaped our country by the sweat of his brow and his faith in God. Slowly, his way of life has been labeled as outdated and obsolete, if that wasn't enough. Religion has tried to change his view of the God he experiences every day. The rough hands of the carpenter's son have been replaced with silver tongues and promises of an easy life. But the cowboy knows better. His way of life is slowly dying. No longer do people keep their word. No longer is a handshake all you need. He searches for men who act like men and ladies who act like ladies. He is one in a thousand and he needs your help. For just $35 a month, which is one one one-thousandth of the average yearly salary, you can be part of saving the cowboy's heritage, saving the cowboy's faith and his livelihood. You too can help save the cowboy. Just text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977 and be a part of something extraordinary.